0: man that your life is wrecked because of their stu- I'm telling somebody, quit joining the, the party of stupidity of somebody that you thought loved you that didn't really care for you in the first place. There are some relationships that you do not need. Am I okay in the house? There are some people you do not need to spend time with. There are some people that are spiritually drain you until you don't have an ounce of spirit left in the tank and you leave away drained and leave away carnal and exhausted because they are a toxic relationship to you. I've seen people that are powerful get get powerless friends. I've seen people that are gifted and mighty get weak friends. Come on, I'll tell you what your future is going to be like. You give me your top five friends in your life, and that's a pretty good indicator what your future is going to look like. I want to get Holy Ghost people in my world. I want to get Christian. It's not in my notes, but let me just preach to somebody in this house. I want people in my life that will build me up and make me better and challenge. Me. I don't want people that will tear me down and try to get me to quit going to church and quit living for God. I want people that will pull me and push me in the ways of God, not push me away from the things of God. Well, somebody say hallelujah. Amen. And so. He married her, started supporting the worship of her false gods of of Baal and Asherah. And he, he erected shrines in Samaria, which was evil in the sight of the Lord. I pose the question to you, would Ahab have done what he'd done if he wouldn't have been married to Jezebel? You fill in the blank. The Bible states there was never anyone like Ahab who sold himself into evil, incited by his wife. He married her knowing whose daughter she was. He went and served Baal. He worshiped Baal. Ahab reared and built an altar for Baal. Ahab made an Asherah pole. In 1 Kings chapter number 18, it states that Jezebel had commanded that all the prophets of Yahweh in the kingdom of Israel be killed. Jezebel hates prophetic ministry. Jezebel hates the ministry in your life. Jezebel can't stand the man of God that stands between you and Jesus Christ reaching for your soul she can't stand the fact that I'm preaching to you straight here today Jezebel don't like ministry because the ministry has the power and the potential to expose her true identity she wants to be sneaky she wants to be slick she wants to run your life and wreck your marriage but give me a preacher give me a preacher get caught Give me a preacher that'll preach me out of hell. Give me a preacher that'll preach me into heaven. Give me a preacher that'll look me in the headlights and say, "You can do better. You can do better. You can do better." And so while uh, she entertained 450 false prophets and 400 prophets of Asherah and 450 prophets of Baal, 850 false prophets total at the royal table, it was Elijah, the prophet of God, that had escaped Jezebel's persecution. Let me tell an Elijah in this house that Jezebel's not strong enough. She's not powerful enough to take you out. She don't have the ability. She don't have the authority to destroy you. My God have mercy. But we do need to know who she is. We do need to know what she's doing and we need to identify her so we can take her out. Praise God. The Bible says that Elijah had escaped her persecution and it was there he was confronted by King Ahab that demanded all the prophets meet him at Mount Carmel for a competition. And so Elijah said meet me there. And so 850 false prophets and one real prophet met him there before all the people Elijah had two altars set up one one was dedicated to Baal and one was dedicated to Yahweh a bull was sacrificed upon each altar and the Bible says the supporters of Baal they called upon their God to send the fire to consume the sacrifice that was upon the altar and nothing happened they cut themselves as their manner was that they were cutting. They cut themselves. Hear me right now. They cut themselves. They were leaping upon the altar. Isn't it amazing how you handle the altar is connected to why people cut their bodies? They were leaping upon the altar, dancing and leaping upon the altar. The altar's a place where you die. It's a place where you surrender. It's not a place you desecrate. It's not a place you disrespect. It's not a place that you take lightly. And they were cutting themselves, opening themselves up to the spirit world, trying to get their false gods. Cutting your body is demonic. Hear me today. Cutting your body to release pain so you can feel it's demonic that's why the man of Gadara in Mark chapter number 5 we find him that no one could tame him and nobody could fix him but often night and day he was in the tombs crying and cutting himself with stones we find him when Jesus delivered him a legion full of devils he was devil possessed and God set him free and we find him clothed and sitting in his right mind There's not enough cutting tools or enough cutting your body that can stop you from worshiping God. You can come and fall on your face, and God can deliver you. Hey, God can set you free. He can make a brand new creature out of you. God, let me deal with this in the Holy Ghost. I was in a meeting where hundreds of people were. I got to start talking about cutting. There was a lady that wasn't even in the church service. She was out in classrooms. It was at a Bible college. She wasn't even in the, in the service we was in. But I got to preaching about cutting, and you don't have to do it, and God can set you free. Her friends text her. She left where she was. She slipped in the back of that chapel service. I Looked back there and I seen her. They come and got me to pray with her. She was under so much conviction and the power of God moving in her life. She could barely even stand up. I went back to her and something came over me. And they had her cut, she had her cutting tools in her hands. Her blades was with her. She was a Holy Ghost-filled Christian. She was trying to serve God, but she was struggling with cutting her body. She said she told me I did it for years. I started. Years ago, it let me feel pain, it gave me a release and an escape. But I looked at her, I said, I want you to stand up, I want you to walk down the aisles of this church, I want you to go to the front of this uh, chapel service. The president of the college is gonna lay hands on you when he does, God's gonna set you free and deliver you. I watched a young lady, God, I feel the Holy Ghost in this house. I watched a young lady. In a stupor, barely could walk down the aisle under the power of the Holy Ghost. They had to help carry her. She got to the front of that church. That man of God laid hands on her, and the Holy Ghost delivered her from cutting her body. Help me, Holy Ghost. I'm telling somebody in this house, there's not enough devils that can stop you from your deliverance. There's not enough lies that can stop you from being set free. There's not enough demonic attacks that can stop you from serving the Lord Jesus Christ. Months later, months later, I was at an event. She slipped up next to me. She said, do you know who I am? I looked her in the eyes, and I said, I remember you. I don't remember your name. She began to tell me that she'd been delivered and hadn't cut her body since. She began to tell me of the miracle crying and tears. I've got news for somebody. The devil thought he had you, but you come to church today and deliver us. You was met with deliverance. The deliverer is in this house. The deliverer is in this house. He can set you free. Nothing is too hard for our God. Somebody clap your hands and give him praise. Yep, I got you. Nobody knows you're doing it. Nobody knows you're dealing with it. Nobody knows you're struggling with it. Nobody knows you've been thinking about it. But there is a God that for you. Can I tell you here, I told that girl in that service, I said Jesus was cut for you, so you ain't gotta cut your body. He was pierced for you, so you don't have to pierce your body. Hey, come on somebody. He had the thorns in his head and the scars on his body. He was wounded for your transgression. He was bruised for your iniquities. He paid the price. He paid the cutting of the thorns on his forehead. He paid the price with the nails piercing in his hands you don't have to pierce your temple you don't have to pierce your body you don't have to cut your body Jesus paid the price and shed the blood for you so you don't have to inflict or humiliate or bring pain to your body so he prayed Elijah prayed Elijah prayed and when he got done praying the fire fell as fire from heaven always falls on an altar where there's an acceptable sacrifice 63 words he prayed when he got done praying the fire fell and consumed the sacrifice that was on the altar those false worshipers begin to say the lord he is god those false worshipers he said gather them all up elijah did and one man spoke to all the false worshipers and they got 850 false prophets and he went down oh god have mercy he went down to the river kishon and one real preacher one man of god took out 800 False prophets, and they, ki- they ki- killed every one of them and destroyed every lion spirit uh, that had lied and deceived the nations uh, through the work of Jezebel. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? Jezebel got really mad when this happened. And she swore in revenge that she was going to destroy Elijah. And 1 Kings 21 contains the story of Naboth, who owned a vineyard near the royal palace of Jezreel. He was there wishing to acquire Naboth's vineyard that he could not get to expand his own gardens. That his wife Jezebel seen that he couldn't have his way. And so Jezebel stepped in. You see, the doorway, somebody hear me today. The doorway to Jezebel is jealousy and envy. When, when, when Naboth, when Ahab rather could not get his way, Jezebel said, I'll make a way so you can have the vineyard. That make any sense? So when Ahab was upset because of Naboth, here's the issue. Naboth looked at what he had as an inheritance. What Naboth called a vineyard Ahab, Ahab, or rather what Ahab called a vineyard, Naboth called an inheritance. you getting what I'm saying. He viewed it as somebody had to die for me to get what I got but not Ahab. Ahab looked it out of vineyard, something I could consume, something I could gain, something I could get from. But that's not the way the Naboth reviewed it. Uh, Naboth looked at that this is my inheritance and you're not getting it, therefore I will not sell it. God help me right now. This apostolic doctrine and this apostolic truth, uh, you didn't get this uh, just because you're good. You got this because somebody died for it. Your family paid the price for it. Lord. they said no to false doctrine, they said no to demonic attacks, they said no to idolatry, and they said there is just but one God and His name is Jesus. Here, oh Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. They die. Come on, our elders died for this, they paid a price for this. It is no vineyard, it is an inheritance. Oh, somebody else say, Thank God for truth. Amen. And so when Jezebel saw that Ahab could not get what he called the vineyard, because Naboth said, that's my inheritance and you're not getting it. It was the pathway for Jezebel to come in and work her way. So what are you saying? I'm saying you better be very careful. Because the Bible says in James 3.16, for where envy and strife is, there is confusion in every evil work. You start getting jealous and start, well, they got a nice truck. And they, why they got a nice truck, and I don't have a nice truck. And they got a nice house, and I don't have a nice house. You better be careful because that's when Jezebel come in. She'll say, here's what Jezebel does. She'll offer and make a way for you to get your way and get what you want. And your way and what you want is probably not the will of God or the way of God. But Jezebel will come in and make a way for you. Oh, God. Yeah, let me tell I'm talking about, well, you know, you know apostolic truth is right, but you're looking for something just a little bit less commitment and a little bit more watered down and you know what's right, but I want to find something just as close enough to it that I can get, but not be apostolic. Jezebel make a way and send you the right person to bring deception along your way, the right unhealthy, toxic relationship to get you thinking stupid stuff, to get you out of this way. That's the way Jezebel works. Come on, what are you preaching? I'm preaching that when Jezebel died, the spirit of Jezebel is still alive. That spirit of Jezebel is an end time spirit and it's still alive and it's still working in this end times. We better know what it is. We better know how it is. We better know how it works and we got to learn to deal with it. Amen. Amen. it has a goal. It'll attach itself to the highest level. It's devoted to the gods that she served. She'll gain interest to in the weakness of a man by passions, morality, faith, and character. She has an agenda. Gain the power, gain the influence, and use it to her advantage. She married Ahab. It gave her authority. It was a political marriage that gave her the platform to get done what she needed done. You better be careful when you allow jealousy to get a hold of you. The Bible says the patriarchs of old were moved, were moved with envy toward Joseph. Jealousy has a way of causing you to do stuff you would never do. The Bible says jealousy is as cruel as the grave. The law of first mention of jealousy says uh, that it's the spirit of jealousy gets on a man. Come on, come on. Come on. Better be careful. Come on. Better be careful. Can you, stand, can you stand it when your brother or sister blessed? Oh, it's going to be tied up in here. Praise God. Can you be happy for me when I got a good pay raise? Can you be happy for me when I got a new house? Can you be happy for me that I got a big settlement? Can you be happy for me that I got a check in the mail? Can you be happy that I got the vineyard and you didn't get it? Can you be happy for me that I said I'm not letting this go despite what you want? Come on, somebody. You got to do some spiritual assessment and understand uh, there's some things uh, not worth my soul. There's some things, uh, there's nothing worth my soul uh, and losing my soul over. Don't get jealous. I don't care the way they looked at your husband. I don't care what they said to your husband. I don't care the way they, I don't care the sneers, the jeers, the looks, the winks. I don't care what happened. Don't you let jealousy get in your spirit and cause you to attack people that you love because it's jealousy and it's all a lie. It's all a lie. It's all a lie. Ahab, that's not your vineyard because it wasn't your inheritance. It's Naboth because Naboth lawfully and legally and correctly got it. It's not yours. Not yours. They'll praise God anyhow. So here's the deal Jezebel indoctrinates who she controls. She had an agenda replace the worship of Yahweh with the worship of Baal. That's what she wanted to do. That's why I get nervous when people won't worship God. Because I know you're worshiping something. Everybody in this room's a worshiper. You may never lift your hands in church, but you're lifting your hands to something. You may not clap your hands in church, but you're clapping your hands for a sports team. You're clapping your hands for somebody doing something great. You may not shout hallelujah or thank you, Jesus, or I love you, Lord, but you're worshiping something somewhere. You're paying homage. You're bowing at an altar somewhere. You're lifting your hands somewhere. You're magnifying something. You're exalting something because you're a worshiper. You are a worshiper. Man, so if you can set an apostolic service and never move, I get nervous for you because I know you're worshiping something. I know you're responding to something. I know you're entertaining something because you're a worshiper in nature. Well, I, I, I'm not emotional. I'm not spiritual. You're lying. You are emotional. Well, I, I don't, I don't, I don't, I'm, the, I'm real reserve. I'm just, I'm just real reserve. Really? You reserve all the time. Walk outside and give me a bucket of water and see if you're reserved. And pour a bucket of cold water all over you. Oh, oh, oh. Well, you think we're weird and crazy because we worship a God that died for us. We're crazy because we lift our hands and say, Lord, you're everything and I'm nothing. We, you think we're crazy because we're dust and dust. God. You think we're crazy because Lucifer got kicked out of heaven as the worship leader and God hired us to replace him. You think I'm crazy because I worship God and that's why the devil hates praise because it reminds him of what he used to do and what he used to be. He don't like you dancing. He don't like you shouting. He don't like you magnifying God because God fired Lucifer and God hired me. I am his replacement. The devil got kicked out of heaven for non-performance and non-compliance. And he got fired. And God said, I'm going to fire my best angel. And I'm going to hire some dust. Because the dust is going to praise me. Hey, come on. You get upset at me. No, no, no. I will bless the Lord. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Oh, somebody take a praise right now to God. Take a praise right now to God. Worships what he's seeking. God is a spirit, and they that worship the Father must worship him in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh, seeketh such to worship him. He's after worship. He's seeking worship. He's after you because you're a worshiper. Amen, 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 amen. I got to move on. So Jezebel, Jezebel can be hear me closely, can be in the framework of the faith. Jezebel can be a believer in a Pentecostal apostolic church sitting on the pew. She can be a judge and a critic, but there's one thing a Jezebel will never be, and that's accountable to anybody. It's always everybody else's fault. That is the epitome of Jezebel. Blaming everybody else. It's your fault. It's their fault. If they would have done this, I wouldn't have done that. Well, if he would have said that, I wouldn't be offended. If he wouldn't act like that, I wouldn't act like that in church. If he'd just be quiet and wouldn't act like that, I wouldn't show out either. And you, you want to blame everybody else? You got to take spiritual responsibility. You got to reap what you sow, not what your neighbor sows. You're going to reap. Come on, it's not nobody's fault but your own. It's your fault. It's your decisions. It's your choices. Come on, you're going to reap what you sow, your actions. you got to pay the price for yeah. wouldn't it. Wouldn't it be nice if every family was perfect? Oh, man, that would be awesome. Oh, praise God. Let me tell you a little story. Um. My dad, my dad's a great guy, one of the greatest guys you ever meet in your life, powerful, great guy. But a few years ago, he married, he married, he met an unbeliever. And he met her, and um, I was having a 4th of July party at the house, having a few preachers over, and barbecue, sweet tea, fireworks, you know, red meated watermelon. Man, we just having a good old time. And uh, my dad brings this lady, my mom and dad's divorced, my dad unfortunately been married a few times, few too many times that's a a lot and um, he met this woman and he was going to church you know living for God but he just just you know got sucked into this deal and anyways he marries her he brings her to my house and he says hey this is so and so he said he he said this is my queen I never forget that this is my queen I said oh hi nice to meet you I instantly started going and and defensive mode with my dad privately. Hey, dad, you know, please don't marry this woman. She's not in church. She doesn't have the Holy Ghost. She's not living for God. Dad, just please don't do this. Well, long story short, he marries her. Then, then um, after the marriage, I started noticing that uh, the, the comments that he made about her being the queen, and I started noticing she'd become very jealous of me and my wife and, and our house, our car, and I started noticing that my dad in his, in his mid-60s, was getting in all kinds of financial debt. I mean, buying a car just like our car, same color car, and, and uh, she wanted this and wanted the house and wanted this. And, and so my dad, who, who should be in retirement stage, you know, paying all your debt off and not having any debt, is getting in like hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of debt. I started noticing that when I would call my dad, my dad would be very resistant, very reserved, and, and, and so much that when he was with her, he wouldn't even answer the phone. And it started bothering me. It started eating on me. It seemed, that, it seemed that this new relationship was driving a wedge between me and my own father. We had no problems. I'd never, I'd never disrespected my dad. I'd never been on drugs. Me and my wife married. We were both virgins. I didn't sleep around. I didn't live a life like that. I, wasn't, I didn't go to the bars. I've never gotten high. I've never drunk, drank alcohol. I don't know that lifestyle. And uh, if you have, I'm sorry, God can deliver you. Maybe you are delivered, and you're past all that. But I, I got back in church as a teenager, and I just sold out to God. And so God spared me from all that. It's a great testimony, and I thank God for it. Amen. <laughs> Amen. But I, I would ask my dad, I said, Dad, I started noticing that you won't talk to me when you're around her. What's going on? He said, Well, son, he said, uh, he said My wife said you shunned her. I'm like, First and foremost, you don't even know what shunned is. That's an Amish term. And you don't even know what that really even means, you know. She didn't know what it even means. And evidently, I didn't like, I was nice to her when she come to the house. I, I've only seen her a couple of times in my whole life. You know, it's a stranger to me. You know what I mean? And I didn't like rubber feet, you know. I didn't get out my file and start filing her toenails and give her a pedicure. <laughs> but I was kind. I was cordial. I wasn't mean to her. But she said that I shunned her, and so I started noticing that uh, things started happening, developing, and I'll never forget one day when I said, Dad, I'm going to be in your city, and can my, can, can my, my two kids, I have a, a boy and a girl, can they, can they come and spend time with you? I'm going to go hear one of my missionary friends preach, and they're in church all the time, I'm just going to give them a night off. And he, he said, sure, son, that'll be fine. Ten minutes later, the phone rings, my dad's on the other end of the phone, screaming at me. He said, son, he said, if you bring your kids over my house, my wife says she's going to divorce me you know what i want to say don't let the door hit you where the good lord split you couldn't believe it. My my life was starting to unravel and things were getting out of control and it was blowing my mind. I had never done anything to my dad to cause this separation and I'm sitting there looking and saying, what in the world is going on? You're spinning, you know? And then a couple days later, I get a letter in the mail from my own father. It says, son, you're not welcome in my house until you apologize in person to my wife, to a woman that I haven't done anything wrong, to someone who I've not offended no cross words my sister on the other hand who wasn't in the church she had cussed her out she had been mean to her she didn't get a letter in the mail I got It started affecting me, Brother Green. Every time I come to the pulpit, the enemy would say, hey, you're not even welcome in your own dad's house. You can't even go to your own father's house. What do you think you're doing preaching to these people? It began to eat on me and begin to mess with my mind. It began to affect my prayer and affect Infect ministry, and I was so upset. And so finally, I said, I went to apologize. I said, I'll do it. When do you want to meet? Guess what day she wanted to meet on? A Sunday. I had to miss service. I took my sister. I wouldn't take my family, me and my sister. Went to my dad's house. We Excuse me. We walked in the house. We sat down. She wasn't there. She was late. She showed up late. She got there in the house. She sat down. I said, listen, I don't know what I've done to you I don't know what I've said to you but please forgive me she laughed in my face when I asked her to forgive me my sister who wasn't in church she didn't like that too well <laughs> so my sister got up where she was sitting and she went over to my step I mean my stepmom and she she looked her in the face And she said this. I won't look at anybody in here because I don't want you to think I'm talking to you. She she looked at her in the face and she said, you're of the devil and that's why I don't like you. I'm like, And I'm sitting there in the chair rocking back forth. I said, Courtney, don't you dare touch her. Courtney, don't you dare hit her. That's my sister. Courtney, don't you dare do anything. My, my dad got me and my sister, and we he paraded us out of the house. He took us out of the house as fast as we could get out of there. You hear me? They were screaming and hollering and pushing and shoving. I mean, I was just doing my thing, you know. I was just getting up out of there. I even got on my knees three times in their living room and asked her to forgive me. So I was dealing with all this family drama family issues and I was on my treadmill praying I was talking to the Lord doing a little exercise and all of a sudden the Holy Ghost came on me and out of my mouth I said these words I come against the spirit of Jezebel and all of a sudden revelation started coming. All of a sudden, understanding started coming. I started realizing from that moment, God began to send me on a journey because it was in the same time frame that my grandfather, who had been in Pentecost for many years, my grandfather, whose home I prayed back through at 1 o'clock in the morning as a 13-year-old boy, my grandfather, been in Pentecost since 1961, got the Holy Ghost in Odessa, Texas in 1961, and I went, and my grandpa just got diagnosed with cancer, dying on his deathbed and that's when I got a letter from my own father that I wasn't welcome in his house because the spirit world knows when to attack you when you're weak and when you need somebody the most it'll try to take somebody out of your life that's why some of you right now you're in the need of a man of God more and you've ever need a man of God in your life and the enemy's doing everything he can to put a wedge between you and the ministry and you and the man of God He's Doing everything he can to remove good, godly relationships and replace them with toxic, terrible, destructive relationships. So I apologized to her. I did my part. Nothing changed. You know why? Because Jezebel hates repentance. She mocks at. She mocks at. She can't stand humility. You can't stand the fact that you're willing to ask her to forgive you when you did nothing wrong. Because she wanted to use that grudge and that shun as a control mechanism to sever me from my dad's world. But I come in there humbly. I tell you, the spirit of Jezebel's alive. And you know why? You know what? It hates more than anything else. It hates prophetic ministry because it exposes her true identity. If nobody knows who she is and nobody knows what she's doing, she's as happy as the Lord but give me somebody that knows exactly knows exactly who she is and she can't stand your guts because you because because truth comes and revelation comes and she don't like the fact that you know what she's up to and what she's doing Come on. It'll discredit the authority in your life. Let me talk to you about the spirit of Jezebel just for a few moments. It'll build a case against the pastor or the Elijah. It'll turn it into personality conflict. It'll say, oh, well, we just don't get along. It'll manifest itself in many forms, but we must acknowledge that spirits are genderless. I've seen the spirit of Jezebel on a man just as much as I have on a woman. Because it has no gender. It's a spirit. It's just we find it in Jezebel. It's the epitome of the spirit because it's who she was. But men get the same thing and operate the same way because Jezebel is against your family. Jezebel hates your family. Jezebel hates your marriage. Jezebel hates who you are because it wants to take you out. But if it can't take you out, it'll get something, the closest thing to you to take you out. Jezebel knew it couldn't get me. But if it could take my dad out, that's the closest thing to me. Does that make sense? Jezebel. And so by one marriage, and Ahab married a Jezebel was the link that the enemy could use to try to destroy me as the man of God. Is that making any sense to you? And so that's how it works. It hates the possibility of exposure. It can't stand the fact that possibility that something's about to to get exposed. Let me tell you the way it is. This is the way that it is. The issue is never the issue. Control is always the issue. If she's in control, it's smooth, man. Smooth. But the moment she loses control, and that's what was happening. She couldn't control my daddy because of my influence on my father. And she knew if I was out of the way, that if something happens to my dad, she'd get his house, and she'd get any money that he had. But I was a threat to her agenda because she wanted to control, manipulate, seduce, manipulate, control, seduce, manipulate, and control. And that's the way that spirit works, and it's still alive. It's still alive. It's a little tight in here. I'm trying to hurry. It is the way, absolutely the way it is. She will not repent because of her pride and because she will not humble herself. Jezebel never repented. You say there's no hope. There's always hope, but it's on them to repent. She even got my dad, notice God, she started going to church with my dad to gain more control. She even got my dad to go to a neighboring pastor for counseling because his pastor didn't understand Jezebel, some of you are nervous as a, as a duck in the middle of a pond all by yourself. I've come to expose it, and I've come to tear it down, and we're going to have a major breakthrough in the Holy Ghost when it's all said and done. care if it's happening now or not. It will. If it hasn't happened, it will happen. That old voice of Jezebel will try to parade itself through this church to destroy what God's trying to do. But the devil is a lie. It's too late, sir. It's too late, ma'am. Hey, come on, somebody. Won't you clap your hands and give God some high praise. No, the issue you're dealing with is never the real issue. The issue is always the instances of control. I'm going to be careful here, but it's true. Unrepented acts of the spirit of Jezebel will cause an open door to sickness and affliction. I am not advocating or saying that people, if somebody in this church has been sick or they're sick right now, the spirit of Jezebel in them. But I am saying this, if they're entertaining that and walking in that, Oftentimes, a spirit of infirmity is attached to it. And they will use sickness as a control mechanism to gain further control of an individual. My stepmom is sick all the time. Constantly taken to the doctor. Constantly. And so for Christmas one year, a couple years ago, everybody okay? I'm trying to hurry, I'm honest. It, this message takes a little time. <laughs> for Christmas, the Holy Ghost dealt with me to get a, a, a turkey and cook it and smoke it. their family because every holiday I'm not I'm still not allowed at their house I can't have Christmas with my own dad in his own house I can't do any of that stuff it's just a mess I just I'm not a part they she converted her garage into a playhouse for her grandkids but my kids are not allowed there they put a swimming pool in the backyard for her grandkids but my kids are not allowed back well, that's just a crazy deal. It's a crazy deal. And so God dealt with me to cook her a turkey for Christmas. So, man, I got the biggest big old tom turkey you can get. I slathered him up. I injectable marinade, I stuck him on the smoker, and he forevermore looked good to eat. My dad, my dad come around Christmas, and I said, Dad, I got a turkey for her and her family. I put Merry Christmas on the, wrote it on the, the, the you know, the aluminum pan and gave it to him. My dad told me, he said, son, when I took that turkey and brought it into the house, my wife instantly got sick. I'm just, you guys don't have to believe me that's fine I'm just telling you what happened she instantly got sick and for three days she had a headache because of the smoke of that turkey <laughs> and she had to go to the hospital and get a shot to deal with her headache and I'm dealing with all this and seeing all this and I start realizing she uses sickness to control my dad even further Okay, so what do you do the Holy Ghost started dealing with me he said listen He said, I want you to start praying the spirit of Elijah on your father every day because Ahab, and my dad, he didn't understand what was going on. Ahab, the spirit of Ahab is this. It is the spirit that just looks the other way. It's just like, I know there's a problem there, but I'm just going to look the other way. Ahab Ahab knows there's an issue there, but he ain't touching it. Why? Because if he touches it, it gets out of control, and it's a big blow up. Jezebel's fine as long as she's getting her way. But if you take her out of position that she wants to stay in, my God, all hell's breaking loose. If you move her, that's why you'll be careful if you're in leadership and you get moved from one place to another, you better keep your spirit right. Because Jezebel try to use that to bow. You'll bow up. Well, bless God, why do they put Johnny in there? I'm, I'm just as good as they are. I can do just as good a job as they can. I know we're doing a little digging, but we're trying to hit some gold or hit some oil wells in this house so the power of the Holy Ghost can do a tremendous work in us. And so my dad my dad was just, he kept saying, oh, son, it's going to get better. I said, dad, if I apologize, I'm going to be welcoming in I house." oh, yeah, son, come on, it's going to be great. Just, just, just apologize to her. And he kept just kind of covering it up, you know. And I said, dad, it don't matter what I do, she's not going to change because I'm a threat. I'm a threat to her agenda. And so my dad was Ahab. So I got on the phone, and the Holy Ghost in prayer says, I want you to call your dad every day and pray the spirit of Elijah upon him. So I get on the phone. And the spirit of Elijah is not above the Holy Ghost. It's not greater than the Holy Ghost. It's an attitude. It's an attitude. That's what it is. And so I called and I said, Dad, I pray the spirit of Elijah upon you today in Jesus' name. Well, thank you, son. I appreciate it. Bye. Have a great day. God bless. Next day, I pray the spirit of Elijah upon you in Jesus' name. I love you, Dad. Bye. I'll see you. Have a great day. For two weeks straight every day. I pray the spirit of Elijah upon you. I pray the spirit of Elijah upon you over and over and over and over and over because I just did what the Holy Ghost said do. When you're dealing with spiritual battles, you've got to do what the Holy Ghost said do. My God, have mercy. You can't do it with reason. You can't fight it in the flesh. You can't analytically try to figure it out. You can't figure this thing out. You've got to learn to walk in obedience and walk in the Holy Ghost to deal with the spirit of what's happening. In the, and I'm telling you right now, the spirit of Jezebel is an end-time spirit that is sent by the devil to destroy your family. But greater, but greater is he that's in me than he that's in this world. Greater. There's no devil big enough. There's no spirit strong enough that can take me out. That can destroy me. Somebody give the Lord a wave offering of praise right now. You're worthy of the highest praise, God. Hallelujah to God. Hallelujah. Bind that spirit in the name of Jesus Christ. So about two weeks in, I called my dad. He said, son, he said, something's different about me. I said, oh, yeah? Yeah. He said, what do you think is going on here? I said, dad, let me tell you what's going on. Your wife's got the spirit of Jezebel in her. You've been in Ahab, and I've been praying the spirit of Elijah upon you. That's what's going on. Give me the last two verses of the Old Testament, Malachi. The last two verses. I gave it to you in text form. The last two verses of Malachi. You say, why pray the spirit of Elijah upon him? I'm going to tell you why. Because the last two verses of the Old Testament read like this. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet for the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. Next verse. Verse 6 of Malachi 4. He shall turn. He shall turn the heart of the father's. To the children. What was Jezebel doing? Turning the heart of the father away from the children. But Elijah comes to turn the heart of the fathers to the children and the heart of the children to their fathers. Let's not come and smite the earth with a curse. I'm telling you, when I started praying the spirit of Elijah on my father, the daddy that I was losing, I started gaining the father that I was losing grip of. I started getting back. He started showing up on my birthday. He started coming to the house on Christmas. He started coming back on Thanksgiving. I'm not welcome at their house, but he's coming to mine. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I can't go around her, and that's okay, but he's coming around me because I'm getting my daddy back, and I got my daddy back because the spirit of Elijah can turn the hearts of the father to the children. Somebody give God praise. Somebody give him praise. The ability to turn the heart of that father to the children. So I'm driving down the road. The phone rings. There's a pastor in our district. Been pastor for 25 years. He's in prayer. He said, Brother Burns, he said, I've been praying and fasting, seeking God for direction, to make some transitions in my churches. We're going to do some service changes. He said, I've been praying and fasting, seeking God. He said, God, I need you to give me a word. I'll fast another day. He said, as soon as I said that, he said, as soon as I said that, my phone rings. I said, oh, yeah. He said, yeah. He's, He's crying on the phone. He said, guess who called me? I said, I don't know who called you. He said, your dad just called me. I said, what? He said, yeah, your dad just called me. He said, bro, he said, I've been so frustrated about what to do about our service times. He said, I had told my son-in-law, I don't know what to do. He said, I've been so frustrated. He said, and your dad called me and said, brother, he said, I had a dream about you. I had a dream about you that you was frustrated and you were sitting at a desk and you was red faced and you lifted your hands and you didn't know what to do. He said, I've been having this dream and God's been dealing with me to call you and to tell you that the decision you're about to make, you're not to make that decision and you're not to do what you want to do, but you're to obey what God wants you to do. And this twi- this 25 tenured pastor is calling me on the phone, telling me that my dad just gave him a word. That's what happens when you quit being an Ahab and you start being an Elijah. That's what. Ha- come on, come on. We don't need any weak, carnal men. We need some men that are powerful, that are anointed, that are gifted by God. We don't need men that will talk more about sports than the things of God. We don't need men that are more carnal than they are spiritual. We need some men that will pray, men that will praise, men that will worship, men that will be an Elijah, be on fire for God. Be on fire for God. I could go on and on with the stories. It's amazing. So I did the spirit of Elijah thing for a while. And we're going to pray that prayer in a moment. We're getting very close to being done. I'm almost done. And then, then the Holy Ghost moved me to Jehu. Because there's four prevalent end time spirits that we're dealing with. Jezebel, Ahab, Elijah, and Jehu. So Jezebel, she controls, she manipulates. She tries to change the worship of Yahweh, the worship of false idolatry. She works in all that. That's what she's doing. Ahab is the one that represents the turn the other way. It's a weak weak, spineless man that won't stand up at his house and lead his family spiritually. It's a man that will let his wife rule the roost and rule the home but he won't stand up and be a strong leader. I'm not talking about being dictator. I'm not talking about being mean. I'm talking about being the priest of your home. The only way evil reigns is because good men refuse to do something. The only way the evil's in your home is because men won't stand up and say get that garbage out of our house, we're not going to talk like that or be like that. Man, can I challenge you? Quit being an Ahab when you can be an Elijah. Quit being passive and weak and letting the ladies do the praying, the ladies do the worshiping. Quit letting the ladies say it's time to go to church. You get up and say it's time to go to church. Don't send your babies and stay home and be a jerk to watch a sports game when you can be in the house of God. Make up your mind. As for me and my house, as for me and my house, as for me and my house. We're going to serve the Lord yeah. you got to make up your mind yeah. I'm going to stand up and do what's right so I started praying the spirit of Jehu on my father give me second Kings chapter number nine please get a mic and join me on the platform the ministry that was in the office I want you to join me on the platform Bishop I want you to join me on the platform So I started praying the spirit of Jehu on my family I want the musicians to come back drummers, I don't want you singing, I don't want you singing a funeral song, I don't want you singing a drudge song, I don't, I want you, I, we're, we're fixing to get somewhere in the Holy Ghost, and there's going to be victory in this house, so I want all, all the, that's it, all the, if there's other ministry that you weren't here for 10, you was busy teaching another class, or, or doing something, but you're, you're considered a man of God, or a preacher, or a minister, or a lay minister, or whatever, you're a retired preacher, a missionary, I don't care, whatever you are, and if you, if your pastor acknowledges you as a preacher, I want you to come join me on the platform. If that's it, Pastor, there's somebody else. You just call them out, and tell them to come on. So I started praying the spirit of Jehu on my father, and uh, <laughs> Dad said, "Hey," he said, "Son, what did Jehu do?" I said, "Dad, you better go read the Bible." Hmm. So I started. I started praying the spirit of Jehu on my father, and. And, uh, it, man, it was just, it's amazing. I, the, the daddy I was losing, I started gaining. I want you young men to get two by two. I want you to face the musicians. I want you to stand like this, two by two. Bishop, you can lead out front. Uh, you you young men, like side by side. So two by two. Here and then there. you go. Just like that. Yep. Single file. Two by two. Two by two, single file. That's it. You can get set up there, Bishop. That's fine. Yeah, you're good. Six of that. that's great. Awesome. Follow instructions well. So I started praying the spirit of Jehu on my dad. And, and uh, Started realizing what was going on and he his it's like revelation was coming, you know. You know, I can't sit around, we can't sit around and talk about it all, like, you know, what she's done or what she's doing or whatever. We can't do all that. But I but I gained my father back, man. He calls me, we talk, we we just went on a we went hunting together a couple months ago and he wants to he reaches out to me, do things together. It's amazing. It's amazing. He, he lets my son come every so often and work with him a little bit and they stay at, stay at an old trailer there at his shop and, that, and my, my son's not allowed to go to their house and stay, but at least he's making an effort, you know what I mean? And uh, so it's amazing. So the spirit of Jehu we started praying this, and God started bringing healing and started bringing things together. And and it's just amazing how God has the ability and the way to begin to do this. And so we started praying. And so Elijah confronted the king of Ahab. He took that took Naboth's vineyard. And he told him, he said, Because the way that Ahab and Jezebel had plotted to have Naboth killed, that Ahab would be killed and his royal line obliterated. And Jezebel would be eaten by dogs in the street. That was the prophecy. Three years later, Ahab died in battle, right? His son Ahaziah inherited the throne, but died as the result of an accident and was succeeded by his brother Jehoram. In 2 Kings chapter number 9, it I'm going to have your pastor read this story. We're going to these men that are up here are going to be horses. They're going to be the ones that's going to trample Jezebel in the street. Here in a moment. Here in a moment. When we read, when we read this verse, and we get to a critical moment when your pastor starts reading the scripture text. In 2 Kings, right, it wasn't my text, but it's part of 2 Kings chapter number 9. He's going to begin reading this. When you feel When you feel what he's saying, and you feel a pull to this altar, you're going to stand up where you are, you're going to come down front, and I'm going to give us instruction, and stuff's going to start breaking in the Holy Ghost, okay? Whether you, you know what, if you're not feeling nothing right now, that's totally fine, I'm not worried about it. It's going to break in the Holy Ghost. Because we've exposed what Jezebel's doing, but it's now time for us to join in and throw her down. Oh, hallelujah to God. So this is what happens. 2 Kings states, the prophet Elisha, which was Elijah's successor, anointed Jehu as the commander of Jehoram's army that he might destroy Ahab's descendants for the way that Jezebel had destroyed God's people. So Jehu was anointed. Everybody say he was anointed. He was anointed. Jehu was anointed. And in 2 Kings chapter number 9 and verse number 30, so, bro, we're not going to do funeral music. We're going to step it up. We're going to do something more praise. I'm not trying to be mean to you. I'm just, he, he, she got it. You got it. We got it. So 2 Kings chapter number 9, and he's going to start reading to verse number 30. Go ahead. Now, when Jehu had come to Jezreel, Jezebel heard of it, and she put paint on her eyes and adorned her head and looked through a window. Jezebel is always trying to get an advantage point above the ministry so she can look down. Somebody better hear me today in the Holy Ghost. Yes. So she can look down and get an advantage point so she can know what the man of God is doing and what he's up to and the moves he's making and the steps that he's making. Come on. And she will get herself up in a window and she will paint her face. She's trying to cover her true identity. We could say she's either accentuating her beauty or she's covering her identity. But Jezebel always hates exposure, does she not? So I'm of the opinion that she painted her face to hide her true identity. As if to say, I'm up here and you're down there and you don't know who I am. No wonder it's cover girl. because I'm trying to cover up. Yeah. Right. Oh, Jesus. I'm just telling you what Jezebel did, okay? That's what I'm telling you. Jezebel got in a position where she could look down on the ministry yeah. and she could be covered. She could be covered of her true identity, masking her true identity of what she naturally looked like. Yeah. Right. And she looks down. And what does she say? Read. Then as Jehu entered at the gate, she said, is it peace, Zimri? Uh huh. Murderer of your master? Uh huh. I want you horses, if you and if you're able to. I just want you to start stomping on the platform, just like this. Yeah. happens to that right there. I want a couple, couple more men to help me. That you're, you're faithful. You've been here for a while. You can help me. You've been helping me preach all night. Come help me. Come stand up here. Yeah. Come here. You stand right here. Just kind of do this right. Here. Yeah. Go ahead. That's it. Just kind of do it there. It's good. It's good. Keep on. Just keep on responding. Right there the black shirt, third row, come help me. Can you come help me? Okay, we're going to have time for you. Just take your time, man. Make your bottle. Good job. Being a good dad. Yeah, good dad. And Bishop, if you get tired, you can stop. But these rest of these jokers, I don't want them getting tired. I don't want them to keep on going. They <laughs> yeah, just keep on stopping. They're just horses. Yeah. Man, you don't realize how powerful you are just showing up, just being here. I'm just here. You could bow out. You could stay home. But I'm going to go to the house of God. I'm going to get in this spiritual battle. I feel something starting to shift already. You feel that? You You know, I know we're in Austin. I know we're in a liberal city. But I'm not marching to the tune of a liberal agenda. I'm marching my tune. To the tune of the word of God. And I'm gonna engage in a spiritual fight. And I'm willing to stomp my feet. I'm willing to operate in the Holy Ghost. I'm willing to be what the Holy Ghost wants me to be. I want the power of God to fall and move in my world. I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. I'm here in your house. I'm here in your house. I'm a worshiper. I'm a worshiper. Worshiper, I'm a worshiper, I'm a worshiper, I'm a praiser of God, I'm gonna be a mighty man, I'm gonna be a mighty man. Read, read, you guys keep on stomping, read. And he looked up at the window and said, Who is on my side? Who? Hang on, say that again. Turn him up. And he looked up at the window and said, Who is on my side? Who? Who is on my side? Who? Who is on my side? Who? Who is on my side? You want who? Jezebel to be destroyed? You got to get on the man of God's side. He looks up at the face of Jezebel and he says, I don't know who's up there. I see you, but there's somebody else up there. Who on my side who Mr. Green will you come, come to yeah so she's up there at that lofty position she's looking down she's painted up she's covering her true identity and yeah. an anointed man of God comes into her presence and looks up at her and says who's on my side who because all that God needs is a few of you to get on the man of God's side. All God needs is a few people to make up your mind. I'm on his side despite what hell says. I'm on his side despite what the devil does. As for me and my house, we are the man of God's side. listen 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 Jehu didn't have to nor could he take Jezebel and throw her down it was not a one-man show he was not one man to do it all he was not one size fit all he was not one guy getting it done it's the anointing that breaks the yoke have mercy. Guess what happened? When he said, Who's on my side? Who listen? It's not good enough to be on his side. You got to be on her side because when they got married, they became one flesh. You can't just be on her side and not on his side. You've got to be on the ministry side of the married couple that God's given this body because they're one flesh. support the ministry with your time, talent, and treasure. If you're not trying to be here and be faithful, you're not trying to engage in spiritual warfare and pray and fast and seek God, that's how you get on the man of God's side so he can lead your family. What happened when he said, who's on my side who? What happened? So two or three eunuchs. Whoa, 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 whoa. You're telling me that all God needed were two or three eunuchs? Yeah. Yeah. He just needed two or three demasculated men Uh to be on the preacher's side. two or three men that were eunuchs to get on the man of God's side. What would happen if two or three real men It just hit me. The spirit of Austin, one of the princes of Austin, is to demasculate men and take authority away from the man and take authority away from the ministry because it hates authority because authority and anointing is what exposes the true identity of the prince of this city. Something's got to arise in your spirit. It's said, You know what? I'm a man's man, and I'm going to be on the man of God's side, and I'm going to tear down of Jezebel read what happened so they looked out at him then he said throw her down all they had to do is do what the man of God said do when you get on God's side and get on the man of God's side when he says throw her down they threw her down and what happened horses come on what happened so they threw her down. They threw her down. And some of her blood sp- spattered on The wall and on the horses, yes. and he trampled her underfoot. The horses trampled her under feet. Go ahead. And when he had gone in, he ate and drank. Yep, go ahead. Then he said, Go now, see to this accursed woman yes. and bury her. Yes, for she was a king's daughter. Yep, read. So they went to bury her, but yep. they found no more of her than the skull and the feet and the palms of her hands. Listen to me right now. Her hands could no longer write letters to have people destroyed. Her mouth could no longer speak against the ministry anymore. Her feet could not carry the false doctrine and demonic attack against the family anymore. They found the skull. They found the palms of the hands, and they found the feet. But the painted face was gone. The painted face and the hiding her true identity was gone. It was no more. When the painted face is gone, then Jezebel's been destroyed. When the painted face is gone, then Jezebel's been destroyed. I've come here tonight in the fear of God this afternoon. I've come to pray the spirit of Elijah upon every Holy Ghost filled, every Bible-believing person, every person that says, I'm tired of Jezebel trampling on me. I'm going to trample on Jezebel. I'm tired of Jezebel beating me up. I'm going to beat tired of the spirit wrecking my life. I'm tired of the enemy destroying my life. I'm taking authority and dominion over the spirit of Side, who? Who's on my side? 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 Listen. women to, to fight in the holy ghost with them i need some elijah come on i'm gonna pray right now i want you to throw your hands in the air for the spirit of Elijah. I want you to throw your hands in the air right now. All over the house, throw your hands in the air. Lord Jesus, upon the authority of the word of God and the power that's in the name of Jesus, I pray, God, that the spirit of Elijah be man right now. Let the spirit of Elijah be upon this man right now. Come on somebody, let the spirit of Elijah be